0: And welcome to the Move to Heal Project podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm so happy to have you here. And I'm really excited today to have Nellie joining us from Toronto. Nellie, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. <laughs> so I just
1: say... Said- That's okay. It's Nellie Labovitz. Hello. Nellie. Nellie's good.
0: <laughs> Hello and welcome.
1: <laughs> Hi. Thank, and thank, thank you for having me.
0: So excited to have you here and so excited to be <laughs> with you chat with you today. Me too. I'm excited. So we're going to be covering a wide range of topics today. But before we jump into them, I was wondering if you would want to just briefly introduce yourself, let people know a little bit about you, where you went to school, favorite Mm -hmm. pastimes. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I just threw that in there.
1: (laughs) I like long walks on the beach, the color. Yeah. I love long walks on the beach um I mean who doesn't who doesn't like the beach (laughs) I love no water is my favorite water is my favorite element yes of them all so I just feel very very calm and relaxed when I'm when I'm near water or when I'm in the shower but anyways yeah my name is Nellie I'm a holistic nutritionist from Toronto as you just mentioned I also like to refer to myself more as a holistic healing practitioner as opposed to just a holistic nutritionist because I not only deal with food and I, of course food is one of the, the many tools that that I use in practice but I also use other things such as herbal medicine, supplementation and other other fun healing tools in order to address what's going on in the body and to to address the root cause. So that's what we're looking at in holistic, healing is is getting to discovering what the root cause it is of the symptoms that are presenting yeah so that is Mm -hmm. that is what I do Mm -hmm. and I studied at the Institute of Holistic Nutrition in in Toronto and I actually just recently graduated in November and that's the I I always think about that I'm like it seems like so like not that long ago but I guess November was already, like, it's already partway through 2021. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> I also I feel like
0: so fast. everyone's concept of time right now is so skewed.
1: <laughs> it's so skewed. So skewed. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on anymore.
0: What day is it? What time? What year? Like, we're not sure.
1: <laughs> no, no one knows.
0: <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for... <laughs> thank you so much for explaining that and for introducing yourself and I I don't think I've ever said this to you but I I feel like I'm in awe of your knowledge you have such a depth of knowledge in regards to Mm. health and nutrition in the body and yeah I'm really excited to have you you here and I mean to jump right into kind of your story and what brought you into the fields I'm curious to know a little bit more about that I feel like Well, this is something my therapist says. My trauma therapist says, We're all fellow travelers. She says, You know, Mm -hmm. anyone that's interested in trauma might have, or not anyone, but anyone, lots of people that go into the trauma field maybe have experience with trauma themselves. Sometimes I feel like it's the same way with holistic medicine. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Approach
1: is. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like everyone. Or, or the majority of people, at least, and the majority of people who are in my class, I know, and who get into holistic, holistic healing or more natural approaches to healing, have their own stories. I find it's it's such a passion because we all have our own experiences going through something that couldn't be helped or reversed or remediated otherwise, and have have stories with the conventional medical system, and and have had to resort to. To holistic and natural uh, modalities of healing because that's just where that's where the journey journey led us.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So it's such a it becomes such a passion for everyone who's in this field due to personal experiences. So, so and- yeah, I mean that's that's definitely that's definitely what my situation was. And um, a bit, just a little bit about 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 my story was that I started experiencing acne or skin breakouts around the age of 12 or 13. And I mean, that's pretty normal for anyone at that age, but it persisted for quite a long time. And I ended up going to see a dermatologist who put me on numerous medications. I was on multiple courses of antibiotics. I was on spironolactone, birth control pill for seven years, and then Accutane eventually. And I guess fast forward to the age of 23, I decided to come off all the medications that I had still been on at that point because up until that point, nothing had, nothing had helped. My skin had gotten progressively worse, I guess, to an extent, but it was just very persistent and there was clearly something underlying that was, that was going on and uh, over the course of the years, but nothing, nothing had completely cured me and at that time I didn't really I didn't know any better I didn't know anything about holistic or natural approaches I didn't know that there was a root a root cause for for what was going on in my body and so I just expected to be on these medications and to have it completely like clear all my symptoms
0: as many people do as many people do you know like with all these medications it will take it away
1: I th- you mean like the, the mentality behind it? Like that's a cool thing. Yeah. We'll yeah. Yes.
0: Yes. Sorry. Course. I didn't even like ju- just jump in, but I, <laughs> I think it's no, that's okay. to add in that yeah. to be like, I, you know, I was in that category as well to be, of just thinking, oh, I'll, I'll just take this. It's done.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And that's just what I thought for a very, very long time. And that's why I kept going on medication after medication. And this is over the course of probably 10 years. And so when I came off everything, my skin flared like it never had before. And I started just experiencing the worst cystic acne digestive symptoms. And it was just a really, really emotionally hard time. Yeah. And that was just kind of how I guess that that was the turning point in uh, starting to do a ton of my own research into holistic modalities, into natural healing methods. I kind of started self-supplementing a little bit and that that was just kind of where it began. And um, I found my way to IHN. And that is how that's really how I got into the field was really with my journey with my skin. And looking back, I mean, there was definitely a point where I was so anxious and and really depressed to an extent and had a ton of social anxiety and, I'm honestly just so grateful. Like I'm, I'm so thankful to have gotten to the place where I can say that I'm grateful for everything that has happened over the course of the years because it ultimately led me to to where I am now, and to be being able to help other people, um, not only with acne but with other, um, with other th- things health wise that are going on, mm-hmm. going on and showing up in the body.
0: I think it's great that you have that perspective now. And I also think that's quite encouraging because anyone that's had bad acne or terrible skin issues knows how (laughs) incredibly challenging it can be. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Through my periods of bad acne, when I was 16, 17, 18, 19, it it was excruciating is a good word to use. I just Mm -hmm. wanted to
1: disappear. Yeah. And I mean, mm-hmm. and, and pe- people said to me, like, it's just, it's just acne. Like, it's just, it's just your skin. Like why, like, it doesn't matter. Like, why does it matter? But that's your first impression to the world.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It does matter. And it hits, of course it hits everyone so differently, but it is very, very emotionally difficult to deal with. And I, I think that unless you have gone through it, it's really hard to understand how it can be so um, emotionally taxing.
0: mm-hmm hundred percent with my own skin journey, I guess I'll call it, I had so much shame is the thing mm-hmm. that kept coming up for me and this feeling of yes, like I just said, wanting to disappear when I met new people or presented myself to other people, you know I kept thinking, what are they thinking? How are they perceiving me? I'm embarrassed. How can I hide? Yeah. I mean, using this as a segue in hindsight, you know, people always say hindsight is Mm 2020. I notice a lot of parallels between my life at that time in my teens. There was a lot of trauma that was happening for me personally. And it's almost as if everything that I was feeling internally also coincided with what I was struggling with on my skin, you know? So I'm feeling these, having these feelings of shame already. And then now Mm -hmm. I'm feeling shame in regards to my skin. I'm having these feelings like I don't want to be in reality and interacting with other people. And then also here I'm, I'm having those same feelings with my skin problems and with, uh, like we've talked about this before, you and I. Mm-hmm. I find that interesting and maybe not coincidental.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. Of course. Well, I mean, I, I mean, going back to what you were saying about the shame and the emotions that come up—anger, frustration, shame. These are all emotions that are present in someone who is dealing with something like acne and these emotions, not, not saying that they showed up because of the acne, but they were there due to whatever else, like you were talking about your experiences that you had just gone through. It could just be like, it could, it could be for whatever reason, these emotions are present and they are not, they haven't been released from the body they're kind of stuck in the body. And this shows up a lot in acne because the emotions, we know that emotions have to, when we have stuck emotions in the body, they create physical manifestations. And so the these fiery emotions of anger and frustration and shame build up in the body and and we don't have we don't have any other other ways or we we've tried but we just haven't been re- able to release these emotions and they start bubbling up through the skin and creating this fiery inflammation on the skin and it's interesting because in traditional chinese medicine these emotions of frustration and anger reside in the liver so we know in TCM there are organ-associated emotions and every organ has different emotions that are associated with them. And so in TCM, anger and frustration reside in the liver. And it's interesting to note the parallel of physiologically, like on a physiological level, what's going on is anyone who's dealing with acne, there is always an implication with the liver. There's always something going on, I don't care. you are if you have acne there will always be support needed for the liver so it's interesting to make that parallel and to i guess kind of draw draw those conclusions between um how it's showing up emotionally and how those emotions reside in the liver and how on a physiological and cellular level we need to address the liver with more like physical tools as well
0: so interesting And even though we've talked about this before, I feel like I'm, I'm always shocked (laughs) with (laughs) hearing about this because the mind and body are so intricate. Like everything is so interconnected. And I just had a flashback as you were sharing that in my late teens, early twenties, I sought help from a biofeedback therapist. Biofeedback therapy is very hard to explain properly. I don't want to mangle the explanation of it, but when I went to these biofeedback therapy sessions, my liver always showed, and I I just remember that now.
1: Yeah, right. Um, mm-hmm. I
0: thought it was funny at the time because <laughs> I was drinking a lot.
1: So okay. I was
0: like, yeah. oh my liver is showing um, in these scans. Oh, better stop drinking. But I think clearly it was more of an indication of. <laughs> maybe stagnant emotions or emotions that haven't been released you know
1: well it- I'll I'll actually tell you sorry um I'll actually tell you uh an interesting story is
0: mm-hmm.
1: cool. I had been working I, like I've been working with my nutritionist for quite a long time and she also does a form of uh, biofeedback so it's it's a different it's called uh, quantum reflex analysis so we muscle test and my liver was always one one of the things that would always always show as negative I guess like Mm -hmm. not 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 on not properly not functioning up to its abilities and there was a point back in the fall when I completely stopped all my supplements just because I knew that my body needed a bit of a break however the one thing that I did do was hypnotherapy so I had two hypnotherapy sessions and we were mainly focusing on like we talked about my liver a lot and we were focusing on my skin and, and the emotions that were coming up and the shame and the lack of self-worth and all those things. And fast forward a little bit, I went back to see my nutritionist and we bio, we uh, muscle tested again. And my liver for the first time in two and a half years tested positive or tested like that it was good. Yes. And of course that can fluctuate a lot, but it was just interesting to note that that was the first time and I had seen her probably every six weeks for over two years. And for the first time in that amount of time, it it was like my liver was good. And that was off of all my supplements. That was just dealing with the mind. So, so that's, yeah, just, just a really interesting story. It just, just kind of reminded me when you were talking about your <laughs> biofeedback experience.
0: So a question that I have in regards to this, if someone's listening and maybe dealing with some skin issues at the moment, maybe there's some underlying emotions there, what could be a step to addressing that? I guess the reason I'm asking this question is for, for accessibility purposes. You know, sometimes things like biofeedback therapy can be Mm. a little bit more expensive, like we're in the midst of a global pandemic. Is there a way to turn inward without going that route of hypnotherapy or biofeedback? Or I Mm -hmm. always want to seek the support and guidance of professionals, but I guess in the interim, is there something, anything that someone could do to draw awareness or attention my favorite tool
1: has always been journaling mm. mm-hmm. that's something that's been so useful for me just to get my emotions down on paper because we can always we can always think about how we're feeling and and sit with it but I find it so therapeutic and cathartic when you are able to just write write things down and just get it out I find that's a great way of releasing. And then also always just coming back to, it's its so simple, but coming back to the breath and just, just sitting with yourself and doing some deep diaphragmatic breathing really helps to switch on the parasympathetic nervous system. And that's the state that we need to be in in order to start the process of of deep healing mm-hmm. in the body mm-hmm. so I I don't know if that answered your a, question a little bit but I think
0: that's I think that's great and I to tie into that answer as well on the journaling front I would also add in maybe creative writing as well I grew up in a household where uh, my journal was read so it never <laughs> saved um It never felt safe for me to write anything down. i always felt like I had to keep it in because I was so afraid of...
1: Oh, sorry, it was red. Oh, like someone read it. (laughs) I thought you meant the color was red. That's why I laughed, okay. (laughs) Okay, that's completely different, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even think about that double like connotation because I'm sitting here I'm like oh that's cool my journal's Ah! like I was like oh your journal's (laughs) red okay (laughs) well I think too even
0: it's funny it I mean it's funny too if like just so you have a lot of siblings and you're like oh man stop reading my journal but
1: but in all
0: seriousness like I it was not safe like genuinely for me to write anything down on paper I was so terrified and so I literally, as a kid, just kept it. It was like keeping it in. Mm-hmm. And so even as a, into adulthood, when I first started therapy, lots of therapists said, you should journal. And I was like, hell no. Like, right, yeah. I've just already viewed it as this unsafe thing. However, when I read Milk and Honey by Rupi Kaur, mm. this like, beautiful creative masterpiece, she's spinning her experiences into, uh, into poems. And it was the first time, I guess, in my life where something clicked for me and I thought, Oh, I don't have to actually write down in real, like not in real time, but I don't actually have to write down what happened. I could also spin it in a creative way. And I found an incredible amount of healing by creating like a story around it, I guess, or,
1: I love that. That's really interesting.
0: Putting it into a poem or into uh, like a novel-like form. So wanted to add that in as well. I completely agree with you. I think journaling can be so therapeutic, but I also think the concept, the notion of safety is important around that. Like maybe just taking a second to reflect, was it safe for me to write things down in my childhood? If mm-hmm. no, maybe adjusting that medium now. And then if- Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And of course, it's always going to be so individual for the person and depending on personal experiences and how how each individual person has internalized their experiences and, and made sense of them. And so, of course, if if that doesn't work for you, then being safe and feeling safe in your body will always be the most important thing.
0: Mm-hmm. I think too, quickly to finish up this topic, just another thing that is that I'm thinking about when I did my yoga training in 2010, we did this exercise where we all had these glass markers. Like we we were in a yoga studio and there were mirrors all around us. And we each took a glass marker and wrote one word on the mirror that represented Mm -hmm. like how we felt or something or like who we were. And it's so interesting, literally that process of just writing it and seeing it, can be quite uh, visceral definitely and uh, I mean just to support your point on the on the journaling is like just getting a word out of your body and on some putting it somewhere else
1: right because it because you realize that it is separate from you Mm -hmm. like when you can write it down and see it it's like oh this is this is only something that I've, I've been experiencing. This is, this is not me. Mm -hmm. These, these emotions, these feelings are, they they come and go and we experience them because it's part of the human experience, but this isn't me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm able to, like, I think in doing that, you're able to kind of see the separation Mm -hmm. um, and under, and understand that, that you are you are way more than just what you are feeling in this in this specific time.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I completely agree. So to segue back to, I know we got a little bit farther away from talking about skin. We're talking about emotions and journaling, which is so amazing. But to hop back to that question on skin, we were talking about the manifestation of emotions in regards to skin conditions. Can you speak a little bit to that's not proper words. <laughs> it is. Can chat a little bit more about the manifestation at, on a physical level in regards to skin? Like yes. Like skin?
1: Yeah. So the skin is one of our primary elimination organs, also known as an emunctory. So we release sweat through the skin and sweat care raise toxins out of the body. And that's one of the ways that we release toxins and waste products from the body. However, the skin can also become a secondary elimination channel or a um, And this is when we start seeing inflammation or anything showing up on the skin that would not normally be present. And this happens because our other elimination organs such as the bowels, the liver, the kidneys, the lymphatic system, menstruation, and also the emotional body is a big part of that. When these other elimination organs start becoming a bit more stagnant um, or sluggish and they're not eliminating our waste products efficiently, this is when we start seeing things um, and, and seeing things showing up on the skin. Because our body needs to get these waste products out. But when our other elimination organs that should be dealing with them are not functioning the way that we would like them to, then we start seeing symptoms showing up on the skin, whether that's acne or any sort of dermatitis. I mean, dermatitis is just like a catch-all phrase for inflammation of the skin. So yeah, I mean, on a basic level, that's that's kind of what is going on.
0: That makes so much sense to me. It's so interesting how different the approaches are medically versus holistically because mm-hmm. you know you go to your doctor and you say and this is not knocking my doctor I'm literally obsessed with her I love my doctor so much but she was not my mm-hmm. doctor at the time of my skin conditions I had someone else no you know I'm going to my doctor as a 16 year old girl basically And then his first instinct is, oh, let's put you on Accutane. (laughs) Of course, yeah. But then knowing this very valuable information about what you, like in regards to what you just shared, that just makes so much sense.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, we know that, that medications just suppress the symptoms and don't actually deal or address the root cause of what's actually going on. And I mean, and I mean, also just making the connection back to what I was just saying about physically waste products being pushed out through the skin. That also ties into what we were talking about previously about having these pent-up emotions that are literally trying to get out of your body and in turn are pushing them out, push pushing themselves out through the skin as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's. And I, as I just said before, the emotional body is one of our elimination organs. So when we are not processing and eliminating these emotions, when they're not when we're holding on to them, then they start showing up through other elimination channels. And in this case, we're talking about about the skin. Mm-hmm. But that can also show up in so many other ways that can show up with um with uh, digestive disturbances and troubles with elimination so like constipation or diarrhea (laughs) I keep
0: thinking about kind of my own experiences in this realm and like growing up I always had stomach aches but we couldn't figure out why
1: and Mm
0: -hmm. recently I went to see a body worker I mean that's not an accurate description of what she does because it's rooted in like quantum physics and biofeedback and she's literally brilliant but I've always had knee pain and I thought it was normal because I'm a runner and she said to me oh it's uh it's actually fear manifesting in the knees as right it was knee pain and blew that blew my mind I was like what do you mean <laughs> get it out <laughs> get the fear out <laughs> I think hearing things like that including the information that you're sharing it's an invitation you know it could be an invitation okay what am I holding in yeah what, absolutely. what have I not what have I been afraid to express and mm-hmm. kind of doing that thought work around it could also be a useful first step you No. Know? is just that reflection point, which can feel quite scary, I'm sure, for a lot of people. Myself included, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking about, well, why might I have fear that's manifesting as pain in my knees? Where's that fear coming from? Why is it there?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And even like taking it a a step in another direction and and looking at it from like a very literal perspective. So Mm -hmm something that's showing up in in your knees maybe it's like well is there an area of your life where you're struggling to step forward into or surrender yeah, even yeah or like if you're experiencing sh- um shoulder or back pain it's like what burdens are you carrying what like just starting to even because a lot of the time like we don't have those people to be like, oh, it's fear or like to tell you to tell you. And I mean, ultimately, we should never have to or we don't need to like look to ever look outside of ourselves to have someone tell us what emotions we are experiencing. However, it makes it easier to. To look physically at what is going on or what symptoms are showing up in the body and to say what literal parallels can I draw emotionally? So if it's something like stagnation of any of any kind of like blood or lymphatic stagnation, even asking like, where do I feel stagnant in my life? Yeah. I just think that's a good a good place to start because it's very accessible. It's very accessible.
0: It is. And I don't know if you've notice this as well but in with client work that I do like in regards to trauma, anxiety, and depression, usually if I ask people point blank, just give your first instinct answer, what do you think that's from or what do you think that's associated with? People
1: know. Of course.
0: Yeah. They're like this, it's this.
1: <laughs> yeah, it just takes it just takes some moments of silence and I feel like that's so hard to come by these days because we're all so just busy running around we're always listening to things we're always listening to podcasts and music like we always have some sort of external stimulus and a lot of the time we don't just sit in silence with our thoughts mm-hmm.
0: especially now so. with where social media is you know getting sucked into tiktoks for <laughs> like now when people are yeah. bored or they have a moment of free time they're not turning inward they're going to social media to kind of uh, distract them or whatever
1: mm-hmm. yeah for sure even another example is like with anything like lung or asthma related or just trouble breathing in general it's like where where are you feeling like suffocated or mm. like just bringing it back to more of to like to more of the literal meaning behind it because I, I mean, and I also, true, like, I believe that every physical condition has a metaphysical causation as well. Yes. Um, and met metaphysical being beyond the physical, looking at the emotional and the, the energetic and even spiritual bodies. Louise Hay talks, talks a lot about this in her, yeah. in her book. I mean, it, well, in her, all of her work, but in her book, Kill Your Body. And I know you just said that you, you just got that book too.
0: At Value Village, such a good find.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if we want to go back to acne as well, what she talks about is um, self criticism and lack of self love and acceptance. Yes. As being the emotional causation for acne. And I believe when, that. yeah, yeah, of course. And when, when we're constantly criticizing ourselves or we have external criticism inflicted upon us we start rejecting our true self yes and and this is also going back to what you were saying when you had like when you were experiencing acne and same with me is you feel that need to hide and to not want to be seen because you don't fully accept yourself and you're rejecting parts of yourself Mm -hmm.
0: so it's almost like your body's like Well, if you, if you want to hide, here's a reason to.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. When we were talking a little bit about this earlier too, is when we're constantly telling ourselves, when our minds are telling our body that we are, that we don't want to be seen and that we just want to hide for whatever reason that is, then our bodies start showing signs of physical imbalance to in a sense, like obey the commands that our minds are giving, are giving the body. Yeah, so, so, sure. then it's, so then it's exactly like what you said. Well, here, here's some acne. You just told me that you don't want to be seen. So I'm going to give you this because this is what I'm listening to what you're telling me.
0: Well, and it, this also aligns with the notion of, in hindsight, I really believe, well, in hindsight and in present day, our bodies truly are just always trying to protect us. Of course. So yeah. even in that sense, if the mind is saying, I don't want to be seen, I don't want to be seen. The body's like, okay, I got you. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And
1: that's, that's what I meant. <laughs> some, that is like 100% what I meant by that.
0: Some skin conditions. And like here, like, hey, mm-hmm. okay, we're like, this is, this is the way we're going to get through this. Or, mm-hmm. um, oh, I feel afraid of my voice. Okay. Here's something lung related, you know, like, You don't have to use it right now. Like it's okay. Absolutely. I even think to segue this into the into talking a little bit about fight or flight. You know, when the body is maybe is in a chronic state of fight or flight, that's because the body is like, okay, well, there's danger, and I Mm -hmm. got you. So we're gonna stay here in this state because we we can feel that there's danger everywhere. So got to make sure that we can always run all these things are yeah. happening to take us away from the stressor from you know whatever it is and i think that's i mean i've kind of delved more into reading up on this myself due to my past history like with trauma but talking a little bit about fight or flight i read mean, yeah can, can we can we segue there i think there's a parallel here with you know like the body's trying to protect us, so then what what is happening in the body during fight or flight like what's going on there?
1: yeah, so I mean when we're in a state of sympathetic um, in, a, in a sympathetic dominant state our ultimately our bodies just believe that they are unsafe, and that just goes back to everything that we've been talking about because I mean historically, if you think about it, our ancestors in the Paleolithic era hunting for their food and maybe they were being chased by by an animal that's kind of the example that everyone uses is Mm -hmm. that's the state that they would have been in because they were running for their lives and of course I mean in this day and age where the majority of us aren't out here in Toronto hunting for our food (laughs) but (laughs) I am (laughs) oh yeah wow good for you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, um, there are so like so many other things in this day and age that have the ability to turn on the sympathetic nervous system and to just to stimulate the nervous system and to put us into this state of fight or flight, and whether that's what you were talking about with um, any sort of larger trauma or traumatic event or even even anything, that may not overtly seem that traumatic, but we internalize it and it's how our minds interpret it. It doesn't matter if the event itself is traumatic. It's it's really all about what we think about what that means to us, right? So, I mean, this past year has been a perfect example of, of that, just being in COVID, being isolated, having so much fear around... I mean, a lot of the time, it's not even related to what's going on, but it's just bringing up past fear. It's bringing up a sense of insecurity, whether that's money or whether that's health. Um, mm-hmm. this this past year has been traumatic for every every single person, mm-hmm. and has has put us to to an extent and some definitely more than others, but has definitely turned on that fight or flight response to a a great extent. And I mean, this is not only these things, it can also just be like being in traffic on your way to work, or just your daily life, like being at work, having your daily responsibilities, even things like blue light exposure, turn on that sympathetic response. And that's why we also say to not be in front of screens. So like watching TV or being on your computer or being on your phone while you're eating because when you are in a sympathetic dominant state, our, our energy is shunted away from things like digestion and more towards survival. So energy production and, and just going back to what I was saying when we're eating and when we're watching TV or on our phone, we are not in that rest and digest, but we are more in the fight or flight. So again, the energy is shunted away from digestion. And that's also when we start experiencing things like IBS or constipation and diarrhea, because our bodies, if we're in this, a a more of a chronic state of fight or flight, then we, then our, our bodies, our adrenal glands are on and we're just focused more on producing cortisol in order to provide energy to the body in order to run yeah, yeah is, is essentially what's happening is we think that we need to run so that is why we are uh, digestion is not a priority during that time when we're running we're not we're not running and and focus on oh I have to go to the bathroom right <laughs> I worked with um do you know Corinne
0: Chen? Shout out to Corinne. But when I was working with her over the summer, she actually told me, and now this makes sense to sit like in silence and eat my meals or just like Mm -hmm. sit without doing anything. And at the time I was like, but why? (laughs) And that, I mean, that also makes sense to me, like that added component of blue light. And I've been Mm -hmm. taking steps to actually just put my phone away, turn my computer off and eat. And
1: it's been quite enjoyable. It's like back in the 90s. (laughs) It's so hard. I mean, it's just like so ingrained in society to like always be doing something. And it's so hard. I mean, I'm so like we're all we're all so guilty of um, being on our phones or like at least something, but just something to be aware of for sure.
0: Now, more than ever, it's weird. There's this, almost this narrative around, well, if you put your phone down, you're going to miss something. Like there's Mm -hmm. this kind of FOMO culture that's being created. Like, look at all these trends on TikTok, look at these viral videos. And if you don't see them, then what are you even doing? Like you don't, you're, there's, (laughs) you know, phrases that are coming out of like catchphrases or that are coming out of these viral videos. And then if you don't watch them, then you don't get it. And, and I've, I've noticed right. like, oh, it's, it almost feels like I'm being left out if I don't participate, which mm-hmm. I think is a da- it's dangerous, you know, when, and I yeah. think it's important to be mindful around that, you know, when social media first was a thing like Facebook and whatever mm-hmm. I knew back then. There wasn't a yeah, homo type thing happening. It was just sort of like a you participate or not.
1: Mm-hmm. And, that- I mean, even I like, no, go go. Just go. going going back to like your question earlier about tools that people can start implementing that are super accessible. Mm-hmm. Even something as simple as putting your phone away, or just not not looking at any form of blue light while you're eating. That is something so simple. That everyone, I mean, it's not simple. I mean, of course, it's it's challenging because we're all so used to it. But it's something yeah. that you can start doing today that will make a difference in your digestion and your overall health. I even think- it's like these things that are so simple that we just kind of like bypass and we always forget about them because we're we're so used to all the fancy the fancy things and the the remedies and and everything. But it's it's just going back to basics is so useful.
0: I even think too, it's important to acknowledge that for anyone that might attempt to try just setting their phone down, like, yeah, distraction is a coping mechanism and so is avoidance. So maybe if it feels like too much to put your phone down for 20 minutes, then you just try with five, you know, just working through that in increments might also be useful Like it doesn't have to be all or nothing that can feel uh, destabilizing for some people. Using myself as an example, I'm an avoidance person, you know, oh, I'll just do this instead without thinking about it. And so I'm sure there's there's some people listening that are also in that boat. And I think taking that compassion that Louise Hay talks about or self-kindness, you know, you can start small you know, start with a minute, start with two, five, and then Mm -hmm. work your way up. Like that's also an option. Absolutely. But going back to, I know I keep talking about fight or flight because I'm so interested in this topic and interested with what's happening in the body. But there's so many people, I mean, as you just mentioned, we're in the midst of a, a global pandemic. And for many, this can feel, it feels like trauma. So if there are people that are in a, you know, for example, a chronic state of fight or flight, um, they're feeling their anxiety peak, uh, maybe that's happening as well. Are there different food choices that we could be making or outside of, you know, journaling, mindfulness, reflection, you know, are there Mm -hmm. dietary changes that could be useful in Bringing about a sense of calm or peace or just stabilization, even.
1: Right. I mean, my motto will always just be to eat whole foods and, as much as possible, avoid processed and refined sugars having a variety of selection, which is something that I also, (laughs) I'm not the greatest at. I tend to, I'm a creature of habit for sure. I tend to kind of eat the same things all the time, but yeah, just always bringing it back to, to the whole foods. I think, I think something to be mindful of for sure is refined sugar consumption and refined high, higher glycemic carbohydrate foods. So things that spike your blood sugar very quickly, because what happens when we eat something that's very, very high glycemic, we need an influx of insulin in order to to shuttle the glucose that has just been released into the cells. And it's one of, I think, Newton's laws that says for every action, there is always an equal and opposite reaction. So when we have this influx of, of sugar, we then have an immediate drop in blood sugar. So what happens in this case is, normally we want our blood sugar levels to be like pretty even. So we have insulin that's, that's uh, being released in order to, uh, to shuttle in the glucose into the cells. And then we have a release of glucagon in the periods that we're not eating in order to break down our stored sources so like breakdown glycogen for example to be used as glucose but when we have these really sudden spikes we start producing cortisol and this goes back to what we were talking about because it puts us when we having these really prominent spikes does put our body in a state of stress we produce cortisol because like like what you said our bodies are just trying to protect us and it thinks that we are not getting enough fuel because we just had this really sudden drop in blood sugar so so we have this cortisol that's being produced to start the process of gluconeogenesis which is the creation of new glucose so gluconeal via other substrates so protein and fat and our body does this in order to to protect us but what happens is, and of course, everyone responds so differently to every food, but also to sugar. So I mean, there are a combination of factors that could go into this, whether that's genetics or just our own like personal metabolism um, and how each individual body functions. But generally speaking, this is kind of this is kind of what's going on. So it's just something to keep in note because with this production of adrenaline and cortisol, this turns on the stress response again. And we have like, when, again, like what I was saying before, when we have these sudden spikes, so sudden increases and then sudden drops, this puts our body into a state of stress. Um, turning on, again, fight or flight or the sympathetic nervous system and and maybe contributing to someone's state of anxiety if that is if that is something that you tend to lean towards. So that is kind of one thing that I just wanted to, To mention, it's not I'm, of course, not saying never eat these things. Of course, we have food to enjoy. And as a nutritionist, I'm never that strict when it comes to food. I mean, eat eat foods that you enjoy eating with an emphasis on whole foods, of course. But it's just something to make a note of if you are someone who tends towards anxiety.
0: Can you put an example of a food and a situation together in the sense of like, okay what's a high glycemic food what does that yeah. mean is it kind of okay as you were sharing also thank you so much for explaining that I keep thinking about someone's stress they reach for a chocolate bar but then there are there are foods that aren't chocolate but are still going to have that spike spiking effect correct
1: mm-hmm. yeah is- I mean things that are, things that are refined are really the things. And I don't like getting nitpicky with this when it comes to whole foods, like for example, bananas or, or higher sugar fruits. I mean, mm-hmm. those, that acts so differently on the body too, because we have the fiber component to it, but like white, white breads, right. just like refined, refined sugars. So sure. If you want to have some chocolate, then get some dark chocolate but we don't want to be eating like a caramel bar or something like that yes. <laughs> I just brought up caramel cars because I used to like inhale caramel cars when I was 10 years old um <laughs> but but yeah. yeah I mean that's an example again with fruit I don't I don't touch on that really like if you eat fruit I I, I hate the whole f- fear around fruit it doesn't I used to definitely experience that, but it just doesn't really—it doesn't sit well with me, and I don't I, like. Yeah, pardon.
0: When I worked at SoulCycle, our our go-to snack was always like a banana before we rode. You know, so mm-hmm. a banana.
1: But yeah, I, and I mean that's good. Like that's energy that you're going to be utilizing very very
0: quickly. I had a a situation on this topic a few days ago where. I think I had gone out in the morning, had a large soy latte or something, and then it was 3 p.m., and I felt really upset about something, so I called a friend, and I could not stop crying, and he was like, what's wrong with you, and I'm like, I don't know, and then at the very end of the conversation, he said, have you eaten anything today, and I was like, no, and he said, okay, hang up go eat a balanced meal and then call me back.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, because that's, yeah, blood sugar, blood sugar fluctuations like that can also create um, just like mood, mood imbalances as well. And the other thing I do want to to mention as well is just going back to the glycemic index um, and balancing blood sugar is, if you are eating something that is a bit higher, like just higher sugar and releasing quicker into the bloodstream, a good thing to do is to combine it with either a source of protein or fat or fiber as well, because then that also reduces the the spike that it will have. And it, it increases <laughs> the time that it will take to be released the, into the bloodstream. And then, And then I guess another thing that I wanted to add too is just the health of our microbiome. So the beneficial bacteria and the, maybe not as beneficial bacteria or viruses or everything that's residing within the gut. We know that our food choices have a huge impact on the microbiome and we all have amounts of Maybe not as beneficial bacteria and yeast and and things we we all live with all of it in our digestive tracts, and Mm -hmm. we we can experience a state of dysbiosis, which is an imbalance of of the more pathogenic bacteria or or organisms in the in the gut. When I mean, for like in in so many there are so many things that can have an effect on our gut microbiome, but but one of the ways to keep it healthy is is making sure to eat a whole food, a whole food diet with lots of lots of fiber, lots of prebiotic rich foods. So
0: or even but, taking yeah. prebiotic as well. I mean mm-hmm.
1: I take Yeah. I, yeah, I, but yeah. Yeah, I know, and I was just mentioning that because a lot of our gut bacteria actually produce I just wanted to go back to the whole um, anxiety and mental health piece, because a lot of our gut bacteria produce certain neurotransmitters. Yes. So for example, yeah, so serotonin, which is a mood stabilizer, the majority of serotonin is produced in the gut, um, as well as melatonin. We actually make up to, I think it's like 400 times more melatonin in the gut than in the pineal gland which is really interesting. And that's an essential, that's essential for sleep, regulating our sleep. Yes. And we know that sleep and, and mood and um, mental health are very, very intimately connected. And then as well as dopamine as well. So, and, and, uh, and GABA, which actually has an, an, an anxiolytic effect. So it reduces anxiety and is also uh, mood boosting as well. All these neurotransmitters are produced by the bacteria in our digestive tracts, which is why it's so important to be feeding ourselves. Good, great foods, good foods.
0: I also think this knowledge, you know, it tying back just to piece this puzzle together. If someone's in a state of fight or flight, then it's going to be affecting their digestion. But then as well, it's almost perpetuating. The cycle is, everything is cyclical because then maybe they have their neurotransmitters then in the gut because their digestion is affected. Now their serotonin level is affected and then they can't sleep.
1: Yeah. So everything. Everything, is, everything in the body is connected. It's like dominoes. Every single thing.
0: And mm-hmm. it's super interesting because it's like, where do you even start to break that cycle? And that's why I believe wholeheartedly in the holistic approach, because it's, a, it's exactly that. It's a holistic approach. It's not just saying, well, we're going to take this to look at this. But then what about the domino effect? What about all of this over here? Right. So, yeah. so, so fascinating, Especially in regards to yes, like you mentioned, mental health issues. Especially in regards to trauma, mm-hmm.
1: like everything are um, connected. Hmm. Yeah, and we also have. I mean, not only not only that, but we also there's also the vagus nerve, which is one of our cranial nerves that stems from the brain. Um, and innervates our digestive organs, and so even doing things to stimulate it has it has parasympathetic. Um, innervation to our digestive organs so so even doing things so like we want to stimulate the vagus nerve in order to stimulate more of that parasympathetic nervous system state or the rest and digest so even doing certain things like what we were talking about before like deep breathing or or hydrotherapy so like hot um, Mm -hmm. and cold like really cold showers or just exposing yourself to the cold i mean Diaphragmatic breathing will always be, be my favorite thing, but even um, something like singing is amazing at stimulating the vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. That's so
0: interesting. I I'm thinking about Wim Hof and his mm-hmm. whole method right. as well. But I think we were talking about this yesterday is I just looked up an article on uh, regulating the nervous system and it talked, talked about the importance of stimulating the vagus nerve for that. And then it mentioned medication. And again, this is not to knock anyone's choice to take medication, everyone needs to make the decision that's best for themselves. But as you're talking about here, there are so many other ways to stimulate the vagus nerve yoga is another one, like obviously Mm -hmm. reading from the diaphragm, but there are a few yoga forms that can help with that. I also noticed and again, this could be taking a leap with this example. But when I worked at Soul cycle. I was on the early morning shift. I had to leave my house at 4 45 a.m. And I am so cranky. Like, I am not a morning person. It's just not happening for me. It never has and it never will. Like, I hate getting up early. And in the dead of winter, I was put on these shifts and I thought, oh my God, this is my worst nightmare. But I start, you know, my first week on going to these shifts, I get out of bed and I'm like so mad I can't talk because that's just how I am at 4.45 a.m. Mm. And I was finding, I was getting to the studio and literally in the best mood. And I didn't, I was like, what is happening here? And I realized, so when I was leaving my condo, after reading about Wim Hof, I would open the side door and literally be hit with this blast of cold air, like freezing cold air. And mm. I was probably just like had my hood up, like wasn't wearing a hat or whatever. Hit with this cold air and then in that cold air for 30 minute walk every morning. I, and again, yeah. it could be a stretch, but I actually noticed a difference when I walked to SoulCycle for those shifts in the winter the dead of winter versus like on a summer morning. Yeah, and I was arriving in the winter literally happier. Just wow.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. That's really interesting. Kind of rabbit trailing, but connected to. No, for sure. Yeah, connected it. Definitely connect. Like even just like splashing your face with with like freezing water. Mm-hmm. Will will have an effect to stimulate it <laughs> to stimulate the vagus nerve. So. Mm-hmm. And, and in turn um affecting digestion is what i was just gonna say
0: if if someone has been listening and you know is wanting to work a little bit more with you just kind of circle this back to your practice and what you do is it okay if i put your information in the show notes
1: yes of course
0: and just to speak yeah. to that information on Instagram, you're Nelly from the block, no O, right? I,
1: I am <laughs> Nelly N-E-L-L-I-E from F-R-M, the block. That Are is you? my Instagram handle. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then my, my uh, website is Nellielebowitz.com, but we'll we can link that.
0: I'll put so everyone knows
1: how to spell so all
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> are you currently doing like one-on-one consults or doing one-on-one? Yes. Open for one-on-one I am. appointments?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm open for one-on-one um, appointments. Everything is just over, over Zoom currently.
0: So in that regard, because it is all virtual, can you take people that are not local? Like, can you work with people? that? I can.
1: Have- yeah. Yeah. Okay. I definitely can. That is my info. Yeah. And again, like food is definitely an important part of health, 100%. But yeah, I mean, there are other tools, other tools that we can use. There are other tools that I use. I love herbal medicine, Um, some supplementation and some other, some other healing tools. And I, I not only work with the physical body, but I also love to get more into the mental and emotional Mm -hmm. and in spiritual bodies as well, and and kind of bring awareness and l- look into healing those those aspects of ourselves that might be playing a role in in the causation of of some of these physical symptoms that are being experienced. So I definitely use a very very multifaceted approach. Yeah,
0: I love that so much, and I really appreciate you taking the time to share your wealth of knowledge. Today, I know we only, it's like we just got a little slice of it today.
1: Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. We could have gone on for hours.
0: Yes. And I just really appreciate everything that you share always. (laughs) This is not the first time we've talked about this. But um, again, just thank you for taking the time to talk a little bit about what you do. And yeah, of course
1: well thank you so much for having me on I really appreciate it and I love and chatting with you I
0: appreciate well. you and everyone give a warm round of applause for Nelly <laughs> Woo! and we'll see you all next time thank you so much for listening to everyone out there and we will see you in the next episode